do. So, um, uh, let me tell you three little Bible stories, and if you want to be the Bible quiz team captain, then you can get it right and tell us where it is, but don't be searching so hard that you miss the point that we're talking about, okay? The first one I want to talk to you about is when Jesus uh, hadn't gotten all his disciples in order yet. He was still gathering himself some disciples, and he went down by where they had been fishing all night long, and now they were presently cleaning their nets after having fished all night long. By the way, Jesus uh, was a carpenter, amen? He was a home builder. He was the, a general contractor, subcontractor. If you wanted an addition put on your little house back then, you would call Joseph and Sons Contracting Incorporated, and that Jesus would show up with James and Joseph, and they would uh, build your room on the back of your house, and it would be good, and you'd have to pay them when you were done. Amen. And if you didn't pay them, they'd talk about you at dinner. What were they going to do with you because you're not paying your bills? He was a carpenter, a home builder. And so he went down and visited these professional fishermen. Don't know if he had made their acquaintance a lot before, but he visited them while they were cleaning their nets in the early morning. I don't know why they fish at night. Probably the fish were caught better at night. Maybe the fish can't see the nets coming at them at night. Don't know, but whatever, they fished at night. They were cleaning their nets, and it had been a terrible night of fishing. And the carpenter showed up and said, why don't you all go back out to deeper waters and throw your net in again? I imagine the fishermen were exhausted. I imagine when you put in a full day's work, imagine, guys, you put in a full day's work, you finally get to the house, and someone says, you need to go out and work another shift. Ugh, you just don't feel like it. Particularly if a carpenter is telling you to go fish some more, go out into deeper water. Nevertheless, they obeyed, and when they obeyed, what happened? Tell me the rest of the story. They got a whole bunch of fish. I think they, maybe that was the one, even maybe their nets were busted because there were so many fish. It was either that one or the end of John, I know they got a whole bunch of fish too when he was waiting for them on the beach. Okay? So stick that little story up in your brain for, for reference here for a minute. So then uh, I was thinking about, uh, Jesus told a story about this guy who had uh, probably a bunch of trees, but he noticed this one tree was a good-for-nothing tree. This one tree had no fruit on it at all. And so in the story Jesus told, he said, the uh, master said to the servant, that tree over there that's not producing anything at all, what did he tell the servant to do? Cut it down. The servant, for whatever reason, had an affinity for that one tree, felt bad for the tree too, and said, oh, give me what? Do you remember what he said? Give me a year, and if you've got a King James Bible, your Bible says, and I will dung it. <laughs> that's code talk for rich organic fertilizer. I will fertilize it for a year, and then if it doesn't give off fruit, then we can do what you say. And uh, so he did, and I believe the tree, I, I believe it worked out for good for the tree. Mm -hmm. and, the and so now put that one as a reference. And so the uh, third little story that I wanna draw to our attention this morning 
uh, is the several times Jesus told the same kind of story about a man uh, realized that he was going away on a business trip and he left his servants in charge of his stuff. To one servant, he gave a single unit of stuff, and to another one, he gave a few units of stuff, and to another one, he gave like a half a dozen units of stuff, different according to their abilities. And he went away on his business trip, and then uh, Jesus said that he came back, and then demanded an accounting to the, and you know that story, the one who, you know, everybody did good with the stuff that they had been left with. They had gotten more stuff, except the guy who only had one. What did he do with it? He had buried it, and uh, he said, I know you were a cruel man that you harvest where you didn't plant and all this other stuff, so I was scaredy pants, and I hid it. But here's your one thing, and, and the way Jesus tells the story, the master didn't have very good regard for that guy at all. He got all mad at him, and you should have at least put it in the bank, he said. Well, at least I would have gotten interest on my thing. So there's three stories there. The uh, guy that was the business trip guy, the tree guy, and the, the cast your nets out guy. What do these things have in common, and why would Pastor Cliff be bringing it up this morning? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be paint. We're this morning going to be painfully honest with each other, and, and, and this is not a fat joke. We're going to talk about the elephant in the room. There's, there's an elephant in the room, and it's not a fat joke. We're, we're, we've, got to talk, we've got to have a talk, us people. Um, it, the, the talk is, let me start by saying, um, I believe that the Lord wants to prosper this church in every different way the word prosper means. That when people walk through that door, that healing can be found in inside the walls of this church. Healings of relationships, people, if their marriages are a train wreck, they know that they could come to Clear Springs Assembly and somehow the ministry that goes on there would be such that there would be a healing bomb for them. Or salvation of their soul, certainly. Maybe they know their lives out of control. They know if they walk through those doors right there, you know, there would be a message of hope and, 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 and reconciliation that would be spoken. They, they could be reconciled. That this church would, would, would grow in ways spiritual and ways physical. The elephant that's in the room that uh, we have never talked about before that I can remember, at least not as a group, is that if you take a look, we've got more empty seats than we've got seats filled. And it doesn't seem as though the trajectory is one that's changing in a good direction. Doesn't seem as though when there's a change that it's a change that more people are coming. It seems as though when it's a change, now we've got, and, and, and certainly uh, I don't want them to feel bad, uh, we'll feel bad, but Les and Vicki ought not to feel bad because, because of uh, their career path, their T minus a month or so and counting, and uh, they're not going to be warm in those seats anymore themselves. I think that uh, I, I think God wants us to be prosperous here. And I want to be honest with you and say, um, I guess I don't know how to make that force that to happen. If if I if I had a trick up my sleeve, I would have. Um, I would have played it by now. If I had an ace, if I was sitting on a $500 bill like a Monopoly, I'd have pulled a $500 bill out by now and played it. But I'm not sitting on any hidden Monopoly money. I'm not sitting on any aces. 
And I'm concerned. I'm concerned because this is a, this is a, a, a good church with good people in a good neighborhood. I'm a decent guy. If you think another guy would be better, I'm okay with that. If that's one of the solutions, don't be bashful about uh, saying, well, maybe if there were, because I've wondered uh, lately, um, I wonder if I would get out of the way if someone else would come up here and crack the whip, maybe uh, there'd be better results. I, I don't want pity or, or what, I, you know, I'm just saying I'm willing to think about whatever needs to be thought about. But the point is, the, those three stories that I brought up, and actually those just are examples, and, there, and there's more, but the tenor of Scripture is the things of God should be should be alive and should be moving. And when we when the net comes in, there should be a harvest. When the, the tree shouldn't be dead and sitting there, the tree should be having a, a fruit on it. And, you know, someone, we need, <laughs> I don't think this should be our theme for the year, but we need to be about dung in the tree. We need to be about doing what we need to do. And if we never talk about it, you know, it'll be the elephant in the room that's never talked about. And, uh, uh so, so that's the thing that was, uh, I, I, I've all, I've in the last six months or eight months been mindful of this and never thought about bringing it up as a sermon, but here I had this perfectly good sermon from Acts 5.20, was my favorite verse of the sermon, but um, it'll wait. And I, I was sitting here, and I said, you know, it slowly came and then it rapidly overpowered that, and I have no choice but to uh, kind of obey and just, go off the cuff here and say, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And so uh, that's not a, um, I'm totally unprepared with my remarks. So, I mean, this, this whole thing could be as short as uh, it could be over in, in, in 45 seconds if nobody else starts talking. I'm, I'm kind of looking for dialogue. And even though Les and Vicki are marching orders, I, that doesn't mean they can't speak to the situation. We, you know, what, what do you think about where we are, and what do you think about where we ought to be, where we ought to be, and what, and what do you think about the path to get there? Vicky's remark was, uh, as I understood it, that children are integral to the um, forward movement of a church. That that children uh, are the future. Okay. Are you asking rhetorically, or do you have an answer? Okay, I want to hear your answer, and then we can talk about it. During the 1970s and 80s, um, uh, the Assemblies of God was keeping track of why new, new people started coming to church. They probably still keep track of it, but I only know the statistics from the 70s and 80s. And so, as you know, a, a big Assemblies church like the one down in town has all the departments going. Women's ministries, men's ministries, light for the lost, feed the light, youth. Sunday school, children's church, role rangers, missionettes, all those things, okay? In the 1970s and in the 1980s, the thing, I'll call it a program, 
that brought more families, individuals, into the church, the most families into the church. It wasn't the youth group, wasn't the choir, wasn't adult Sunday school. It was Royal Rangers. Royal Rangers single-handedly, and, and if you looked at all the different departments and then you, you saw all the results, you know, the, here's a young family of four. Why are you coming? We're coming because uh, we signed up for missionettes. Okay, so there's something on that bar graph for missionettes. We're coming because I like to sing in the choir. We're coming because there's a tremendous men's ministry, okay? But when you bar graph the families that are present across the country because of Royal Rangers, it was, and I'm, and I'm saying this not to disagree with you, Ray, but just to, just to balance it out a little bit. In that case, those boys came first. And then when those boys were being ministered to in the Royal Ranger problem, I have no idea who brought them. If the parents came and stayed, if the parents dropped them off, if a neighbor brought them, I don't know the statistic that good. But I know that more people uh, integrated into the Assemblies of God during, in the 1970s and 1980s because of Royal Rangers than any other thing that the Assemblies had going on. a little easier to slip back in probably because you you knew a couple people and I think um, Dave told me, but correct me if I'm wrong, Dave, somebody told me that when they give people directions to how to go, they referenced where the church is. And either it was Dave that told me that he said he was across from the church or someone else said they were a half a mile pastor. And, and, and their response more often than not was, there's a church on Bill Lundy Road. Then to us, because this is where we go, it's like, well, why do you not know there's a four by eight sign out there. There's a building that looks not like a house here, you know, but uh, uh, it's interesting. Do it. Yeah. I mean, you know, 
tell us what you mean by that. When you, you mean that's the state of grandchildren, they're not interested in doing anything, or you mean that there's, you agree that there's nothing to do? Let me um, teach you another statistic. This is what you get when you have a pastor that reads these books and stuff. So occasionally I hear something and it makes me think of something. There's a, uh, church builders talk about a rule of sevens. I don't know if I've ever mentioned this to you before. A rule of sevens. And you say, what on earth is a rule of sevens? Rule of sevens is, on average, on average, not every time, maybe not for you, but on average, a person that's going to affiliate with a church will have visited that church seven times before he finally calls it his church. So maybe a fish fry counts as one. Maybe picking his kids up and dropping them off counts as two, three, four, whatever. But there's, there's a rule of sevens that says that very seldom does someone come and then say, I'm going to commit to that church, uh, you know, on the, fir on the first meeting. There's, there's, a, there's a rule of sevens that they talk about. Wanda? There was a baseball movie that came out about 10 years ago and it included the line that said, build it and they will come. So you're saying that if, 
it may be to our benefit that right now that a family didn't come today with three prospective little kids because if they came, they probably would feel like that was a nice church with nice people, but they certainly weren't ready for us with our kids. You know, maybe if they had one 18-month-old, someone could jump back or we could allow the mother to be in that room. But in terms of the five-year-old and the seven-year-old, we would have struck out. We would have said, sit quietly with your mom and dad. And at the end, when they're driving home and the mom said, how'd you like church? The kids would have stuck their tongue out. They would have said, oh, I didn't have any, it wasn't for me. You know, because we're designed for, what we're doing right now is designed for exactly what we've got. It's kind of hard to, uh, to uh, prepare well for something that's not coming. But that's what the guy who dunged the tree did. That's what the kids, that's what the young men who went back, nevertheless, will obey you. They went out into deeper water, did. I mean, Jesus said, go back out. And they're like, you've got to be kidding me. A whole, uh, I think 100 years worth. I think it took them 100 years. A lot of people don't know that. 100 years of construction. The Bible teaches about the ark. Well, I think we are that tree. I think we are that tree. And I don't want to say we've got, someone's put one year on our heads, but you know, I think we're that tree. And if we're, and if we're at all intellectually honest, we, we have to say that we're not bearing a lot of fruit. We, we might be meeting some needs that we've got. We might be worshiping the Lord. We might be encouraging each other. And so, so it's, it's, it's not all trash. It's not all useless, you know, just junk that we're doing. But I don't think that we're, being everything that we are expected by God to be. Well, there's good news and there's bad news. The good, and they go together on this. It probably wouldn't be a vacation Bible school the size of which required 20 workers. It probably would be a vacation Bible school the size of which would require a half a dozen or eight workers. You know, because it, you know, I don't want to be like pessimistic, but I'm, I'm just not seeing 50 kids showing up. I'm seeing eight to 12 kids showing up on a well-advertised, um, on a well-advertised deal. So maybe even once a month have a Sunday night sing or something where a band comes in. And
Well, I believe that God wants, I, I believe that God still wants that. More than we want it, I believe that he wants it. It's just that uh, we have to get in, in uh, cadence with whatever, he, however he wants us to get there. We, and we're probably going to have to make some sacrifices. You alluded, um, uh, Reba, to the fact that the place looks nice. Okay, the place looks nice. If a whole bunch, let me, let me give you a newsflash. If we have an influx of within the next year of uh, 15 kids, they're going to wear the place out. They're going to put fingerprints and smudges and dirty. Someone's going to come in with gum on a shoe or something and put it on the carpet. This is just, this is just a place. It's not, there's nothing sacred about this paint. I mean, you know, we can paint again and we can clean the carpet, whatever. So, but we're going to have to be up for that. We're going to have to be open to the fact that you know, little kids are messy. And they're needy. Well, in terms of, and I know we're getting ahead of ourselves, but I, at first blush, in terms of useful places to meet, I can only think of those two rooms, this room and that room, which would be plenty for Sunday school. But during church, there probably is going to have to be a constant, like a, a, a children's, I say a children's pastor. I'm not talking about another staff member. I'm just saying a children's pastor whose baby it is. To And I can see that place. And we're, we're blessed that it's separated by brick walls and open air because a lot of times children's church is crazy loud. You know, that's what children are. Um, but well, I think Wanda makes a good point before before we uh, you know inv invite twenty or thirty people to come. Uh, we better be in place. So let's, we should, um, and I'm not sure how much we can solve this morning. All I want to do this morning is pull the curtain back and say, I see the elephant too in the room. And what is the elephant's name? The elephant's name is if we don't do something, we're not going to get different results. You know, if we don't do something different, the same thing's going to happen. And, and there, there is a trajectory towards less, not a trajectory towards more. And so... Right, so there's a tenacity here for survival and for, for keeping on, keeping on. And that's, that's a good thing. Well, I, I guess that's what we're talking about, Ray. Which, which, do we get ready for a visitor before the visitor comes or after the visitor comes? Let me give you an example. Uh, someone, I, another book I read, 
this pastor put on a youth pastor. And, and he had tremendous difficulty. You know, it was a church of maybe 60 or 80 people. I don't remember. But, a, you know, a, a bigger church. And put on a youth pastor. And he got tremendous pushback from the board. And they said, why are you putting on a youth pastor? We've only got two kids, you know. Why would you, why would you uh, put on a youth pastor? And he said, because I want a youth group. When we send missionaries, we don't send a missionary off to a place that's already fully evangelized. We find a place where there's no converts, and we send them there. So the thought is, I wonder if we should, we don't have to spend a lot of money doing it, but I wonder if we should um, have certain people feel like, okay, the day that a five-year-old walks through that door is the day that I'm going to dust off what I've been long preparing to do, and that is teach this, le- this first lesson I've got to that five-year-old and her four-year-old little sister. You know, um, we'll do it over there. We know how to set up the chairs. We know how to make the TV work. You know, there's a little TV over there that someone donated and whatever. But all that stuff's known about ahead of time and prepared for it as opposed to saying, oh, my goodness, here's two little kids. What are we going to do about it, you know? Um, Oh, yeah, I wouldn't need it to be, uh, Mar- uh, what are we now, June, July 2012. There's, we used to, uh, in Massachusetts, we're not there, and I know, but we used to subscribe to this publishing company that wasn't Gospel Publishing House. It was called David C. Cook, and they make great standalone lesson plans for kids with the flannel graphs and all the different things and it doesn't matter what the date is you know this is the life of david you know when you study from david when he was born to when he was king and then that was that eight weeks you know and so you're just you're just ready to do that uh-huh Statistics, statistics say that over 90% of young mothers, and I don't know why the young fathers, I don't have the polling facts for young fathers. Over 90% of young mothers want their children to learn about the Bible. And they also say that most of those haven't a clue how to make that happen. Um, but So what I take from that is if someone contacts them and offers them, you know, would you be willing to let Junior and Missy come, you know, to church or would you bring them to church or drop, at least drop them off and pick them up? According to the statistic, they would be interested in that. Now, whether we could get them to get up on a Sunday morning and carry them down here for 1030, I don't know. Uh, I just don't know. But you make a good point, unless we're going to start a bus ministry first, uh, which that's a very complicated thing, and I wouldn't want that to be the very first thing we try is to go out and buy a big bus, and probably would work, but, uh, you know, that's a whole bunch of complications in itself. I don't think we want to be lopsided. I don't think we want to be a church of 40 kids and, and eight adults, you know. I don't think we want that. But I think the point being made started with Vicki. I think the point is families, you know, with little kids. There has to be the noise of little kids around here.
So you're speaking to the thing of sevens that I was talking about before. You said the fish fry. You said the movie night. You, you know, you know, maybe a VBS. All these things are, are ice-breaking kinds of things where people come in and see that we're normal people. This is a normal facility. How do you explain the way it was then? What? Parents. Well, let me put everybody on the spot. Let me put everybody on the spot. Don't raise your hand just to, so you're not on the spot but I, I really need to get a sense. Who would be willing to, to undertake some sort of children's leadership um, if, if we were to set in motion a program? I mean, who? Okay, two, three. Okay, three and a half. <laughs> three and three quarters. Okay, well, that's enough. I mean, if, if you're serious about it, um, I'll be serious about it too. And I think that I have another... Thing, I do have one thing up my sleeve that I don't feel comfortable talking about um, yet, but uh, it involves just talking to some people that maybe have, have families. And I, I, I believe that um, whoever comes with their kids, the first family that comes with their kids and stays will come and stay because they're called to come and stay, not because they want to or because it's it's excellent and they're fun and everything. It'll be, they come for the same reason that you sit here, for the exact same reason that you sit here. You come and you stay and you participate because you're called. This is your church. And um, the first couple families that come are going to have to come and feel, you know, spiritually duty-bound to, um, you know, to continue coming, knowing that uh, kids beget kids. One of the reasons I think things went so easy for Wanda and me when we planted a church was we were in our early 30s and we had four kids in tow, all kinds of different ages. So no matter who showed up with their kids, our kids were going to make friends with them right away. And all you, all you have to do is, you know, have somebody make a friend at church and the kid wants to go back again. And so next thing you knew, I mean, these names aren't going to mean anything to you, but Tammy and Eric started coming with their four kids, and then the intermulies started coming, and, you know, and everybody had kids, and before you knew it, you know, we attract people like ourselves. Right now, Wanda and I are 50, so we're attracting, you know, a different, we would be attractive to a different age group. You know, someone with a lot of little kids isn't going to say, ah, oh, cool, a 50-year-old pastor with no kids, you know. Um, like they would have with a 34-year-old pastor with, with uh, four little kids. I think all the stock of here and go around the road. That live on this road. Yeah. 
I don't know about up there. I know I rang doorbells up and down the street once for about a half an hour before the, um, maybe 45 minutes, before the uh, movie. And uh, there were a lot of kids there. There were a lot of toys in the yards, a lot of, and some of the kids said, uh, I, uh, we already go to church. They thought I was inviting them to church, you know. And they said, we already go to church. And I, so I said, where are you going? And uh, the one or two that I asked uh, pointed to the center of town, to the assembly at the center of town. So, um, but there are probably plenty that don't go to church too. All right. Anything else anybody wants to bring up? Yes, Wanda. I will never. I will probably never say no. Yeah, I think what Wanda said is we've become distracted in 2012. And I hate that it has ramifications for our friends at church and the church. Uh, and to every degree possible, we will separate our personal distraction from the concerns of the church. And I hope that our distraction isn't too noticeable. I try not to bring it up very much in church. I mean, invariably, it slips into a sermon here or there or whatever. But um, I, I want to be just as full gun as long as I can get up and, and go in the morning. And I do. I get up and go in the morning, do other stuff. I'd be glad to get up and go and do church stuff. I am not to the point, and you, what you see is what you get. You can see that I could easily handle myself with a gaggle of kids over there. I love kids. I love ministering to kids. Uh, I, you, you see a different side of me when you see me ministering to kids. Every year, Wanda and I... Uh, put on a, a camp, overnight camp, for five days during the week where we'd have 60 kids, instead of running a VBS, I'm not asking you to do this, not right away at least, but instead of a VBS where your kids basically showed up with maybe one or two of their friends, the kids in our church would invite three or four kids from their neighborhood, and we'd have, because we only had about 20, 22 kids in our church, but uh, we'd have up to 60 kids at this overnight camp, and uh, buddy, we... Mm, those are some of my favorite memories of my whole life, Hosanna Camp. You know, we would just, uh, and we'll have great altar times at night, whatever. Okay, so walk down memory lane. All right. Um, I think this was good. I'm sorry it wasn't a sermon. Um, I think that we needed to have a, a talk to sort of clear the air and let you know, if nothing else, that I'm mindful of it and I'm thinking about it. We need to, uh, we, we need to, um, we need to do something about this. Yes, sir, Franklin. Okay, so like the fish fry at six and then the sing at seven. Yeah. It's a good point. So instead of just doing the fish fry, do the fish fry and the. Uh... Okay. Someone's taking notes, Martha. Don't speak into the mic. You said what?
Oh, okay. Well, Ray knows how to clean fish. Do you? I don't. I'll be throwing up. I got four little puppies this morning, and I thought I'll do Wanda a favor. I'll clean their little pen. Oh, did you tell on me already? You knew that's what happened? Because I didn't tell you. I tried to clean that pen my best, and I stood dry even over the kitchen sink for what must. I thought my eyeballs were going to hit the garbage disposal. I, I, when I finally contained myself, I went to the bathroom, and my, my tears were in my eyes. I was all red. I didn't say anything to Wanda, but I knew she must have known that I was probably trying to do a favor, clean the puppy pen. Yeah, I'm no good cleaning fish. I'll be puking on the fish. That's no good. Nothing. Nothing slimy. I'll do a lot of different things, but slimy things don't work for me too good. Like fish, fish guts and puppy poo. Uh-huh. You talking about semi-permanent or, or, or an event? But are you talking about an event like when the First Assembly has its Fourth of July thing? They're bringing a whole bunch of stuff and it's on that one Sunday afternoon. When, I, when Wanda and I first came here, there was a rundown. Yeah, and I don't know who donated it and probably when it was new, that was a great thing. But I told a couple guys in the church, make that disappear because it was all broken. And I'd rather, not, I'd rather not have anything than a broken something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that's, that's an idea, too. At least it would say that children are welcome here. That would be like a sign without having a say. You could say out on our sign, we could rebuild our sign and say, children welcome. But if I think if we had a $1,500 little playground there, that that would also say children welcome. It's a good idea. It's a very, that's, that's, that's a great idea. We'd have to start getting used to probably parking over here or something if we put it there, but uh, we'll have to process that. Dave would have to have a chance to build it. And then build it. Yeah. I'm also, right, well, at least we got insurance. <laughs> okay, well, I have the feeling, and it would be good conversation that we could talk about this for uh, a long time, and maybe next time, maybe what we need to do is the next time we have food and fellowship, uh, sit quietly and discuss it and see where we've moved from here to there. Hopefully, you know, that tree, I'll go back to the tree, the tree didn't bear fruit right away. That guy had to really dig around it and fertilize it and work with it and stick with it. And that was probably not a very rewarding job while he was doing it. But at the end of the year, you know, time went by at the end of the year, the master came by again and said, well, look at you go. What do you know? That, let's not cut it down. You know, that tree, that tree was worth saving. Um, mm-hmm. 
Okay, well, I, I hate to... Well, I have something for you, and why don't we close with it? Because, like I said, we could we could let this go on and on for until two thirty, and still have a few things to say even after that. But um, Wanda and I, when we were talking two weeks ago or three weeks ago, we asked each other. So let's say we moved into the you know, we moved into an area within eight miles of this church, regardless of which direction, Lake Arthur, Laurel Hill, whatever. We moved in within eight miles, within easy reach of the church. Why would we visit this church for the first time? What would make us visit this church for the first time? That's the first question we ask ourselves. Okay, so that demands an answer. You can think about that. The second question is, after we visited the first time, what would make us want to visit again? You know, what would make us want to come back for a second visit? That's two different, two entirely different questions. So each of which uh, they have different answers. But um, I think when we think about those things and we, uh, and I wish, you know, I, I wish I had a more polished leadership thing that I could do with you. But I think together we could probably do it if we determine in our hearts that it's worth doing. I, you know, I don't have to be some kind of white knight to, you know, just usher us through it. We'll, we'll, we'll fumble our way through it. But I think we have to come to grips with the fact something has to be done. Okay. Anybody feel a compunction or one more thing that you just got to say? Because otherwise, I'm going to pray. There is a little teeny, like two foot by two foot sign out on the highway. Yeah, the real estate agents have seen our sign and they like it because they can tack on their little house for sale signs. And I don't. I feel like a, a grouch if I go there and tear off their house for sure signs off our church sign, but uh, whatever. The day will come when we'll, we'll put a more appropriate sign out there. That's a point we'll take because that road gets a lot of traffic out there, 85 does. All right, well, you pray about these things, and, um, and I believe that the Lord, will, uh, the Lord wants the same thing we want, so there's, there's, there's comfort in that. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for... Um, uh, your love for us and your, your vision for the church. Help us to find your vision for the church and be brave and get dirty and get our hands dirty and, and be bothered to, to do the work that's going to be necessary to uh, make these kinds of changes. We pray, oh God, for those souls, their souls, God. We pray, oh God, for those little children probably home watching TV now or out in the yard playing in a sprinkler or doing something maybe underfoot from their parents. Pray, God, for those children. Pray, God, for those families. Ask, God, that you'd help us. Give us hearts to, to minister to these uh, individuals, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thanks.